Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, welcome, everybody, uh, to another edition of Whitley Penn Talks. Uh, I'm Tom Ryan with Matt McGee. We visited with you uh, about a month ago, talking about uh, you know the the state of the the market and some of the issues that we were dealing with during the height of the COVID crisis. We're about a month out, and um, things look very different today. Uh, Matt, good seeing you again. Yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, the office opened up full-time about a week or two ago, and it's great having all our professionals back and uh, collaborating with them face-to-face. Uh, we, I think we've all become some experts in Zoom videos, but it's it doesn't replace uh, being together and, and working shoulder-to-shoulder again. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, jump right on in. So. Our last episode was roughly end of April, and we talked a lot about volatility in the markets and what the Fed government had been doing for the first month of COVID. So now that we're two, three months into it, uh, what have you been talking with our investors about? Yeah, you know, the conversations have really changed uh, over the last month and a half. You know, most of the discussions we're having today with clients and really with with our, you know, internally within our group is is uh, centered around the disconnect between what we perceive uh, the impact, the negative impacts to the economy. You know, we hear all the data points and, and all the uh, economists talking about the damage to, to the U.S. economy, but yet the stock market largely is back to all-time highs. And so a lot of conversations about uh, how those two um, two factors really are, are divergent, and how, how can that be? Yeah, that's an interesting point. Along those lines, can you go into some detail of what, with all the experts weighing in and unemployment numbers coming out that have largely been horrible? Uh, last week we had a big report. I think they were expecting roughly seven and a half million new unemployment claims and actually we added 2.5 million um, and talk through some of that yeah it's, I mean that that kind of leads into the just the real confusion uh, one that, that the economists and their predictions are so off you know market participants makes makes decisions based on information and so when you have that kind of Gap between expectation and reality. You, you really got to wonder what's going on. But I think it's it's important to to remember that you know the market. I think so. Instead of listening to all the experts, which mm-hmm. obviously uh, you know have been proven wrong uh, so many times by by big degrees, I think it's important to focus on what the market itself tells us. You know, every day there's 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of transactions and, and hundreds of thousands and millions of trades that are conducted every day by willing buyers and sellers that aren't, you know, mandated to necessarily have to make a trade. And so I think the information and pricing it, it should give us a lot of indications as to what the true underlying economic uh, activity is. And so, you know, from the, from the bottoms in, in March and really through April and May, the market has expressed an opinion about where, what fair value securities uh, should be, it, regardless of what the economists are saying about unemployment claims or GDP uh, contraction or whatever the, the data point of the day is. And so, you know, as a group, we, we really do believe that markets are efficient and, and that every day by the, the, the activity of willing buyers and sellers that, you know, it does, it does present fairly what the market is perceiving relative to economic activity. And that's, that's interesting because you, you could say, well, if you believe that, then how do you explain uh, what happened in the month of March where you know, up until really the end of February, early March, the market was expressing an opinion on valuation and it was fairly consistent, you know, with an upward slant. And then, you know, two or three, two or three weeks later, the markets are devalued by 40%. And you say, well, if, if, if markets are right most of the time, how can that happen? And I think, you know, the answer to that is that in normal, in normal times, you know, the markets act and, and, and work in an efficient manner, but sometimes things break. And so, you know, largely that's what happened when, when, when the government, you know, shut down the economic system literally overnight, uh, that caused a break in the system. So all the normal operating facets of, of trade, of banking, of lending, of, of capital structure got broken. And so because of that, things don't look normal. You know, you, you get a situation where really the plumbing of the capital markets and the financial structure froze up. We saw this similar back in, in 08 and 09, and the difference between then and now is that this was a new uh, phenomena back in 08 and 09, and so Treasury and the Fed were trying to diagnose the problem, and were much later in prescribing the the the, uh, the antidote, if you will, to it through quantitative easing and lending facilities with the Fed. The, the difference now is that based on that knowledge and the success that that was that was realized in those actions, the Fed got out in front of it, and so you know they they jumped out in front of the problem in a huge way, and to unclog the plumbing and to you know, remediate the problems that the, the freeze up in the capital system provided. And so what we saw was certainly when the system broke, the normal financial markets uh, acted irrationally. You know, there was cascading evaluation decline, but the minute they un unclogged the, the plumbing, if you will, the markets rebounded significantly very quickly and really got back to a point where we'd been maybe for the last month and a half where Every day, the market is reassessing its opinion on valuation. Now, that's not to say that we won't have further volatility or, or, or valuation change, either up or down, but that would be based on new data, new information, and the investor's willingness or ability to take that and express their opinion as to whether prices are cheap, 
or they're expensive or they're just right. But I think, you know, the the probability of the markets suffering another significant valuation decline of 30 or 40 percent or what have you is probably pretty remote because the Fed is in there. They've remediated the problem. They've given us the confidence that they're going to be there as long as the markets need so that uh, those plumbing problems, those defects to the systems don't reoccur and, and create that, that you know, broken system which creates that valuation decline. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you covered a ton of different topics there. I mean, on the idea of markets being efficient, what are your thoughts on people investing in these bankrupt companies like a Chesapeake, a Hertz that are seeing huge uh, increases almost overnight? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you get into to picking names and being speculative, it's, it's really, a, it's really uh, a challenge. You know, the, the broad indices have come back, but I think if you peel that back, there's, there's certainly leadership within uh, the indexes that are driving mm-hmm. uh, that valuation game. If you were an index investor or you, you owned a security that, that represented the market broadly, you did well. But if you were into picking names, your experience may be very different, yeah, and and your ride may be very different. You may you may have bought a Hertz or a, a Boeing or you know any of these, uh, you know certainly not Boeing from a bankruptcy standpoint, but they've had their own issues, yeah. But uh, any of the airlines or any of these other companies, the retailers that are really suffering, uh, that that roller coaster ride is is significantly just based on each day's soundbite or or. Uh, Fed policy, and so uh, your experience may look very different than if you own market markets broadly and participated in the rebound in, in valuation of your security. So, very interesting times. Yeah, if you're an investor that stayed put through March and has experienced that rebound, but is still concerned about, uh, given that there is no vaccine yet, um, what uh, what are your recommendations for somebody that's kept their seat but still very hesitant I guess of what what's to come regardless of the Fed action and everything that's happened there. No, that's a great question and I think you know that, that goes largely to the conversations that that we have in, in constructing portfolios for our clients. You know, you have to look at what your your ultimate needs are for the for the pool of assets and you know, you gotta look at what the goals were and how what the underlying theme was in building the portfolio in the first place. And as long as nothing's changed, then I think this was a, another great example, like we saw in 2000, like we saw in 07, 09, like we saw you know, in April, May, and June, that as long as you don't react, that you don't change your strategy, that may be a long-term strategy and it's in a, into a short-term strategy, you're probably gonna wind up okay. So I, I think it's important to reevaluate, you know, was your goals properly aligned? With your risk, did the time frame for your portfolio and your needs for it uh, appropriate? Are they still appropriate? You probably don't do anything if, in fact, that you were misaligned, that you had needs for liquidity that you didn't really plan on, but now you're more comfortable with. And you know, I'll give you an example. Our sixty forty portfolio is about break even year to date, so we've essentially got back to to even. And so, if you were wrong. And your goals have changed now. Your time frames have changed. This is probably the time that you look to harvest some liquidity and change the allocation. And but I, but just to do it to react, I think is wrong. 
uh, mm -hmm. but to do it for a valid uh, reason that meets your your needs. And I think that makes an awful lot of sense. Absolutely. Uh, along those lines, I mean, if a second wave were to hit this fall, winter, uh, I guess purely from an economic standpoint, do you think they'll shut everything down again? I mean, obviously we'll be more prepared. The Fed will step in from kind of the market perspective, but I guess call it from a Texas economy perspective. What do you yeah. think might happen there? You know, that's a, that's a great question. I've, I've seen some reports recently that you know, as, as things have opened back up, maybe with some of the protests and large group gathering, that some of the numbers, the cases are starting mm -hmm. to, to increase again. So that's not out of the realm. I think maybe the difference now is that uh, we had two or three months of experience on how to conduct business. So, you know, if you shut down, you had to shut down again or some modified, I think we're smarter as business people now and, and have learned how to be productive. So uh, I don't think it'll, it, a lot of the initial uh, damage was done just by, you know, just sheer uh, speed and panic and not knowing how to, how to react to or interact with. I think we've gotten smarter. Uh, so I think business would continue uh, to be productive as we've learned over the last couple of months in, in a lot of the sectors and, and industries. Certainly some, some industries would be more effective whether it's, you know, restaurant and, and, and retail and things like that. But I think we're smarter. Uh, I think people's attitudes about the virus have changed. You know, when, when it was unknown, um, people took the, the most uh, cautious and, um, and safe route. I think as the numbers materialized much lower than uh, what was projected, and, and granted a lot of that is probably because of the actions we took, I think some folks have different risk tolerances to what they, how they feel safe or not and whether they would be willing to, to be more interactive in the economy or not. So I, I think it would look very different. Uh, the other thing I would say is we're going into an election year and I'd be shocked um, if the current administration would be as aggressive in shutting down the economy right before an election, seeing the damage that it did the first time. That, that doesn't mean it's the right answer, yeah. it's just it may be the political answer. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I think it would look very different if the numbers started to rise materially as far as what what a, a shelter in place or a lockdown would look like uh, versus what we experienced back in March, April, and May. Yeah, I tend to agree. I heard they're already talking about more stimulus checks possibly, so who knows? Yeah. I think anything's on the table given that it is an election year. Uh, so you've been in the business for a few years and had the pleasure of working with a number of different investors. Uh, what advice do you have for somebody that might be putting new capital to work uh, where we stand today in June? Yeah, you know, risk reaps rewards over the long term. I think there's, there's pockets of valuation opportunity that still exist. I think the Fed, through their actions, took a lot of those opportunities away uh, by adding essentially puts to, to downside. But there's still pockets of uh, valuation opportunity out there. And I think the, the biggest is just the amount of liquidity that not only uh, the Federal Reserve and the Treasury, but also you know central banks around the world are pushing into their economies or to the economy at large. What we do know is that historically, it's you know it's been a direct correlation that when central banks 
uh, are in are in an easing mode, whether it be interest rates or straight out uh, liquidity measures, it typically pumps up asset values. Um, so you're sitting today with you know in the U.S. economy, you know they talk about annual GDP of 40 trillion. You know in a in a relatively short period of time, we pushed 10 trillion dollars either in, in Fed lending opportunities or stimulus or or in uh, in government uh, uh, interaction and and largely in a zero interest rate environment uh, investors want to search for areas where they can get return and so I think you know the equity markets are going to get a lion's share of that as would some other opportunities that may exist even as bad as energy was you know I think there'll be a lot of consolidation and a lot of uh, investment in energy going forward as as you know, it seems like Saudi Arabia and Russia have have kind of uh, you know put their uh, their feuds uh, uh, on rest and have come to an agreement on production cuts. And as we will begin to see demand starting to increase as the economy opens up, so I think there's opportunities, but I think certainly you can't ignore the amount of liquidity that is washing around in the economy, and uh, you know, a good part of that is going to find its way into some investment uh, theme, which will drive prices higher. So. That's got to be optimistic from an investor's perspective. Yeah, I mean, you've hit a ton on liquidity as well as interest rates. There, I think the Fed just announced they're going to keep rates at pretty much zero for at least the next two years. Like, does this house of cards pretty much come down as soon as they start raising rates, or what are your thoughts on on that? Like, do they just have to indefinitely keep them this low, or? Yeah, that's that's a that's another great question. You know, we saw after the financial crisis. The Fed expanding their balance sheet and keeping interest rates low, and they had they had a really tough time exiting from a lot of those programs. Many of which they never exited from. Um, they, you know, for all intents and purposes, they kept their balance sheet um, uh, uh, at the level they, they you know they built it up to four and a half five trillion dollars, and it really didn't shrink the balance sheet. They tried to, to move interest rates a bit, and the the economy and the market really bucked that every time they tried to do it. So. You know, you, you take what happened in 08 and you put it on steroids now relative to size. I, I don't think it's reasonable to assume that there's a, a, a graceful exit out of that. Um, mm-hmm. I think in the short term, they really didn't have any choice. In the long term, you know, there's, there's no free lunch. I don't know what the price um, to either the economy or to, to lifestyle or to, uh, to what, uh, you know, Raising another, spending another eight to ten trillion dollars means it's probably not. It's probably a future generation that feels that. Um, if if debt didn't matter, we'd be we'd be spending unlimited since the beginning of time. But we haven't. You know, I can remember when when Congress would you know would threaten to shut down the government uh, for uh, you know, to to raise the the borrowing limits. And you're you're talking about five hundred billion or you know a quarter of a billion dollars. You know they're you know they're they're raising trillions every other day. It seems like so the numbers are just staggering. And again, it has to have an impact. It's not clear today what that will be. Mm-hmm. Today we're just trying to to save the economy. But somewhere down the road, there's got to be a price to pay, and, and there's got to be some pain that's that's felt on that as well. So yeah, really interesting, uh, really interesting topic. Absolutely. Well, would love to wrap up with any final thoughts for investors on what to expect for the next 
six, 12 months from an economy standpoint, Fed, the election, uh, civil unrest. There's, I pick <laughs> your topic. Start, right? Yeah. Wow, there's a whole smorgasbord of just topics that would stand on their own, but we're, they're all happening at the same time. I guess I guess over the next six months, what I would say is, as we get into the election, uh, it's clear, and it doesn't, you know, I'm expressing an opinion on on politics, but it's clear both parties have no problem in spending. Uh, I don't know that there's such a thing as a uh, fiscal conservative any longer. They, you give them an opportunity or a reason, they'll spend. I guess the beneficiaries of the spending uh, really will differentiate between uh, parties you know, uh, who, who benefits from all this spending. But spending spending will, will continue. There's no better way of, of being viewed positively to an electorate than to be giving, giving money out. So I don't, I don't think that ceases. I think we'll probably have another round or more rounds of, of government funding to help uh, mitigate the damage and, and soften the blow that many businesses and individuals have faced because of this. It'll be really interesting as to um, the debates uh, over policy, both that, that has been in, instituted over the last three or four months, but uh, perspective policy uh, and what the talking points, the platforms will be for both parties. And so, yeah, again, I think uh, more liquidity, which means probably higher markets, which means uh, more subsidies and, and dependence on big government. Uh, and we will see what the voters think of that in November and uh, and the next administration, whether it's uh, Trump or Biden, will will have lots of tasks and lots of challenges uh, ahead of them uh, over the next four years plus. So uh, stay tuned. It'll be an interesting ride. And uh, and obviously we'll, we'll be gleaming as much information from it as possible to help make decisions for our clients and continue to be their advocates to make sure that we accomplish uh, the goals that they've set out for themselves. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Great, thanks everybody. I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed this uh, WP talks. Uh, we'll be back with new topics over the next several weeks and through the summer. So stay tuned, and we'd love to have you join us again. Thanks again. Thanks.